filibuster is supported through patreon by listeners like you check us out at patreon.com slash filibuster we also get support from the ehrlich law office discrimination wage and litigation solutions for the district of columbia and northern virginia they handle workplace discrimination non-competition and non-solicitation litigation civil rights and a whole lot more for a free consultation go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster In theory, I I like the idea of Go90. I like that it exists. I like that uh, for for stations that or channels that carry soccer like BN Sport that are not in very many households, there's a free app to stream it, and you don't even have to authenticate with uh, a cable uh, login to prove that you pay for a channel. Uh, you can just get it, and and so I was I was happy to watch on my iPad. Uh, this evening, it's Tuesday as we record the show. Uh, I was watching USA Honduras for about 15 minutes before Go90 just decided it it liked being a theory more than it liked being a real world thing, and it stopped working. And so I didn't get to watch all of the game we're going to talk about tonight, because, or even most of the game we, we're going to talk about tonight, because the app that was carrying it just stopped working. Yeah. I mean, if uh, NWSL fans probably could have told all the national team fans that that had to grapple with Go90 for the first time tonight that this was what's going to happen. Because that's why that league actually stopped using Go90 as their exclusive streaming platform and began just showing the games on their website. Um, It just wasn't reliable enough to do the job of showing the things that it said it would show. Go ninety is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> it's Go ninety is the streaming app version of a Corvette after uh, a crowbar has been taken to it mightily and repeatedly. I, I will say this isn't U.S. soccer's fault. Um, for games played in other countries, U.S. soccer doesn't control the media rights. The Honduran Federation sold this game to BN Sport. For, or, or sold the U.S. Uh, TV rights to this game to be in sport, and that's why it wasn't on a real channel here in the U.S. And if you're wondering how be in sport could possibly compete on money with the likes of ESPN and Fox or or even NBC Sports, um, there, there's a couple reasons why. One is that I think they're backed by uh, Middle Eastern oil money. I'm pretty sure. And and the They're partially other, owned by Al Jazeera, yeah. So that's that's the Qatari national fam or royal family, I think that's that's behind that. And then the or at least some somebody tangentially connected to the Qatari royal family. And the other reason is in a lot of uh, Central American countries, you're not bidding strictly on the media rights. You are also paying favors to the person who decides to, how to award media rights. So it's not. How, whether the Honduran Federation is going to make more money from ESPN or Fox's or BN's bid, it's how's the guy making the decision going to turn out <laughs> from it. So there, there's some some level of corruption, possibly. I, I won't even say allegedly. I'm I'm speculating that there could be some corruption behind the scenes based on prior history. At least it's not uh, 
traffic taking the rights and demanding uh, closed circuit TV and each each venue in the U.S. has to pay an individual license fee for the World Cup qualifier, like in cycles past. Yes, even being able to stream 15 minutes of the game on an app is is progress over... I got to watch the whole even, game at a bar. A, even a couple cycles ago uh, was... was A couple of cycles kind of, ago, I, I got to watch those games in a bar, but it was like... I paid $20 to enter the bar to watch to the cover that so closed circuit fee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and actually at uh Slancha in Baltimore I'm going to go ahead and uh torch them for uh something that happened several years ago. Um the actually the Connor Casey game against the US against Honduras, uh the Connor Casey game where he scored his only international goals ever. Um that game uh, with like fifty to sixty U.S. fans in the the top four floor of their bar, they put one TV on that game and showed the Orioles game. And the Orioles are playing like a meaningless. They weren't going to the playoffs. the The season was essentially over. A meaningless baseball game. Um, in the infinite pool of meaningless baseball games that make up all baseball seasons. Um, <laughs> And there were, like, legitimately, like, 10 to 15 people there that were maybe casually watching that game and maybe not. Um, there were No one was seriously dedicated to watching the Orioles game. Um, and yet, when we asked, like, could you make even one more TV available, they were like, no. No, it's an Orioles bar. Orioles game is on. And that was wow. I was going to say, I was going to say, it could be that the the technology at the time just their their setup didn't allow them to put the closed circuit feed on more than one uh TV but no they no, just they, weren't they interested chose not to it's a sign of how far we've come with soccer in this nation that i just went to a random sports bar in chesterfield county cuz i had a other meeting there after the usmnt game and i didn't even have to ask to be, for the game to be put on it was already on on bn sport and i was the only person there who was watching that game there were other people having their fantasy drafts in person or watching other things but they just had the usa game up and i just got to watch it with by myself I had uh, domestic responsibilities, and hence my trying to rely on an app instead of going to Doc FC or Lucky Bar or uh, Mackey's or or some other uh, reputable establishment around the apparently, district. Apparently, if you had gone uh, if you had gone over to Mackey's, uh, the storm that passed through during the game knocked the feed out for at least some of the time, according to the American Outlaws. So uh, oh, that's, maybe that's you were just wild. destined to not be able to watch this game. Yeah, that that's especially wild because the storm didn't really go through the district. Yeah, it, I know. I was I was confused, but they said that like right when the storm was was sort of coming through, they're like, "Well, that's exactly when the the feed went out." So, huh? Yeah, that, maybe knows? there's a gremlin on the or maybe, yeah. Maybe there's just building. like a gremlin, or I was just gonna say a dude who was like, "No, no, this game is unwatchable." Or maybe uh, Omar Gonzalez was trying to pull out all feeds to, so we could prevent from be prevented from seeing how terrible he was. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and speculating on media outages podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We're all from blackandredunited.com where we cover uh, DC United and the U.S. men's and women's national teams. Tonight, we are uh, covering the gamut. We are talking more about the U.S. men's national team. We also are covering uh, D.C. United's upcoming visit from Orlando City SC. Before we do anything, though, we got to play What Are You Drinking? Jason, what are you drinking? 
Uh, I finished up my dinner right before we were due to come on, so I took some whiskey, I poured it in a glass, um, added a couple of ice cubes. So I've got, uh, it's actually, it's bourbon, it's not, it is a whiskey, but it is of the bourbon genre. Um, so it's Evan Williams single barrel. Nice. On the rocks. Nice. I've got, uh, I guess you could call it a DC mule. I don't know of a better name for it. It's essentially a green hat gin Ricky with uh, ginger beer instead of club soda. Ooh, okay. I like it. It's spicy. I, I don't know that gin stands up to the, the ginger beer, no matter what gin you have, uh, as well as I would like at least a spicy one like fever tree, which is what I have. Uh, it's a lot of ginger and and then some lime in this. There's not a lot of gin coming through. Might have to play with it a little bit to get the the balance a little bit better. But not a bad first start. Ben. So I had a ardent saison at the uh, bar I was at, Capital Ale House, and then I also had a when things were going badly i tried to switch to or i didn't try to switch i did switch to uh a pbr a tall boy pbr which long 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 time listeners might remember is the only thing that powered eddie johnson to scoring victory uh when he saved the usmnt in the last world cup cycle it was me drinking pbrs that made him score so I tried to bring back some of that magic, and uh, I'll take the I'll take the credit for Bobby Wood scoring, uh, being my switch to PPR, and uh, Paul Ariola coming on. Uh, but now that I'm back at home, I'm uh, winding down from this madness with a cup of chamomile tea. Very relaxing. I feel more relaxed just after hearing you say chamomile tea. <laughs> Good. But now we're gonna have to raise everybody's stress levels again. We are. It was a frustrating weekend in World Cup qualifying for the U.S. men. They lost to uh, Costa Rica 2 to nothing uh, here at home and then eked out uh, a late 1-1 to draw tonight in Honduras. Uh, it's really got to be by far the, the worst couple of performances of the Bruce Arena Mark II era. Um, and I I think the first one you have to, to look at when when it comes down to it for these performances is him there. There's some blame to put on the players, but uh, they didn't choose a ridiculous formation and even worse personnel against Costa Rica. And yeah, there we're, we're going to get into, to some nitty gritty here. Let's, let's talk about that one first, Jason, the four, four, two against Costa Rica with a central midfield of Michael Bradley and Darlington Nagby just didn't make sense. No, I mean the four four two itself isn't the problem. It's the players and and I guess the the roles of the wide midfielders didn't help. But but selecting Nagby in that section of the field without a third central midfielder in there to help out and do um to to take some of the load off defensively meant that Michael Bradley was kind of the lone defensive midfielder. Uh, there were stretches of the game where it was like, well, the U.S. is just kind of playing with ten. Um, and it's not necessarily Nagby's fault. It's just not something he's good at. Um, it's not something you ask him to do. Um, if you're going to be, um, playing the way the U S tends to play, you can't put him in alongside Bradley and expect the defensive side of the game to work. Um, there were moments that he, he actually was pretty good. Um, there were, there were, but I mean, I'm talking about like specific, like he did this one thing good for a second. Um, 
where he, he got put under intense pressure by Tim Howard, who distributed the ball to him in a terrible time, um, right at the top of the box with center backs spread wide. Uh, he was immediately under pressure from two Costa Rican players. He managed to turn out of it and make the next pass. Um, that was really good, but the defensive side of this had to be there, and it just, that's not his game. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a player selection issue that, uh, it just doesn't, it's, it's hard to explain, uh, because it's not like Arena's coming from abroad and has no idea about Darlington Nagby because he was coaching in MLS up until he took the job. And if there's one thing that he should know, it's a guy in his own conference in MLS. He should know what he can and can't do. Um, so yeah, that, that choice was, it, it was and is inexplicable. Um, it's not, if the idea was that the U.S. is going to possess Costa Rica to death, then the rest of the players that were chosen in that lineup were the wrong players. Um, if you want to, if you wanted to make a super, like, tiki-taka, possession team out of that group then both wide midfielders and maybe all four defenders had to be changed um so yeah it's uh i don't i don't understand what the thought process was and it set the stage for costa rica having the game set up for them where they had their they had as many chances as the u.s but they had the better goalkeeper on the field and on the day marco urania brought his a game and the u.s lost it is rare. I, I will say it is rare that Marco Arena brings his A game, but the point of tactics as a coach is to play to your team's strengths, your your players' strengths, and take away your opponent's strengths. And this lineup did neither of those things. Um, he he picked a couple of center backs who had never played together, and said, all right, we're going to be a possession team out of this 4-4-2, which means you guys have to spread wide so that the angles are, are there and so we can cycle the ball a little bit faster. But when there's a turnover, there's going to be no cover at all, and you guys are going to just be on an island for that. We're also, by going into the 4-4-2, Arena also moved Christian Pulisic out wide when he'd had a ton of success with the national team playing centrally in that number 10 role. And it that that I, I that's a decision I can't get behind. I can't really justify, especially when Pulisic has he he does play wide for Dortmund, but he plays high and wide. He's an outside attacker. He's not uh, a a two way midfielder quite the same way that you you think of in a four four two. And so taking your best player and moving him into a less influential position and putting more defensive work on him are just, that's a thought process that I don't understand at all. Yeah. And I, I'm not, I'm not as just inherently against Pulisic being wide for the national team, but I think it's even worse when you consider what else uh, Bruce arena had available to him uh, in the game tonight against Honduras, Clint Dempsey was even on the field. Did he exist? Was he there? I, I don't, he just seemed like he did stand as a decoy over the ball on the uh, free kick that Kellen Acosta took that led to the chaos that created the goal. He stood as the decoy behind it. Right. Exactly. I think if you put Pulisic in that role in the, in this Honduras game, and then I, I may be a little biased, but Hey, they only scored after he came on. You put somebody who's going to just run and run and run. And is still a good passer of the ball. Like Paul Areola, 
on that right wing where he's going to play a little more tucked in and not uh, like feet on the chalk line kind of winger. Uh, and then you help combat the uh, overrun of the central midfield that you've been dealing with all the time. And Pulisic can drop back a little more, play a little more through the midfield. And then I think you're going to be able to connect some more passes and really connect the, uh, the forwards and maybe create some danger. But Dempsey was just kind of out there doing his own thing and not doing much of all. They weren't really able to get Jordan Morris tried to do some work. Uh, and they just had giant gaps between the midfield and the attackers all night long. And it just, it didn't make any sense. And I think they could have done a lot. Bruce could have done a lot of things to mitigate that just by moving people around a little bit. I think, I mean, I don't even want to get to the, the game tonight. Um, I I think the problems were, were a little different in these two games. I thought um, the lineup that arena chose in terms of putting 11 players in 11 positions made more sense. Um Adding Kellen Acosta meant that the spine of the team actually had some strength to it. Um, Pulisic being wide, it's not that big of a deal if if he and Dempsey, especially if they start to interchange a little bit, um, and Nagby as well can can dip inside uh, at moments. I think you you open up the possibility of a pretty fluid group. My problem in this game was the tactical choice to play long balls to Jordan Morris and Clint Dempsey. Um, that's never going to work. Those guys aren't those guys aren't the guys for long ball uh, soccer. I mean, Dempsey is a a guy who wants the ball at his feet. He's a trickster. He has scored a bunch a bunch of headed goals, but there's a difference between the way he scores his headers is he tends to escape a marker um, and get open. He's not winning a challenge. He's getting away from being challenged. Um, Jordan Morris is known for speed and he'll he'll run himself into the ground. But he's not going to win headers against center backs very often, um, especially when it's a long ball where the center back has 30 to 40 yards to figure out where the ball's going and get get right up next to him and win the physical battle. Um, so in uh, my problem with Arena in this game is a lot less about selection and a lot more about tactics. Um, so it's kind of two different problems. Um, like I, I kind of understand some of the changes he made. Um Fabian Johnson has never really played very well in uh, Central America when it's really hot. He's struggled in those games um, because he's never really had to deal with them very often. When he, I mean, he's played his entire career in Germany. Um, games like that don't happen in Germany. They don't have temperatures in the upper 80s with you know 70% humidity. It's just not a thing. Um, so some of those changes are fine. Uh, but you, you can't then tell the guys, okay, we're going to play long ball with these 11 on the field. You have to give them a chance to play at their best, which again goes back to something that Adam said, which is that you're supposed to leverage what you have and, and turn that into the best thing it can, the best version of it you can have. Um, and in both games that didn't happen. And even though, you know, the draw tonight was, I mean, on paper, just as a result. 1-1 one, one isn't really that bad. It, it leaves the U.S. probably in a position to qualify, but the performance was poor. Um, Honduras didn't play very well. They were, this, this was a bad soccer game. This was a really bad soccer game. Um, Honduras didn't, yeah. did not impress me, and I, I know that pool of players pretty well, and I thought, yeah, this is about what I expected. They're not very good. 
Um, you take Emilio Itzaguirre out of that lineup, he's suspended. You take Andy Nahar out because of the injury. You don't have a very good soccer team, and they looked like that team. And the U.S. was worse than them on the night, and is lucky to sc- they they got that they got out of the game with basically converting their one good chance. Um, and it comes back to yeah, sure. I mean, the players still in both games. There, there's a theme of players making mistakes. I mean, the center back play in the two games was abhorrent. Um, but you've still got to set your team up where those mistakes aren't necessarily going to completely ruin everything. And in this game, it was in these two games, it was kind of the combination of big time, major individual mistakes and poor coaching. Yeah. You have to put your players in a position to succeed and arena after the first game, after the Costa Rica game, flat out admitted that he didn't do that. Some of it may have been trolling the media because he knew he was going to get blamed. Um, Bruce arena is one of those guys you, you read anything he says and you can take it at face level or you can kind of see him smirking when he says it. So it's, it's tough to know when he said he got out coached, whether, whether he really meant it, but either way, he, he He, didn't throw his players under the bus, which is, you you can't make that snark and then have this performance against Honduras. Exactly. Exactly. They were, they were both pretty bad. And you know, it, like Jason said, it's not like the players were blameless, but they, they weren't put on a platform to succeed. That said, the center backs were really bad. It, it, it's not entirely Bruce Arena's fault. The center backs yeah, the, played the, the as badly as they did. Conceded were amateur level goals. Like you cannot concede these. The goals that they conceded were terrible goals to give away. Right. Yeah. They they were caught completely unaware off of a a U.S. goal kick on on the first goal against Costa Rica, oh. and and Tim Ream just That's didn't track the runner. Um, because he was, I don't know, I guess he expected the U S to win the second ball on a, not a very long, long goal kick. If that makes any sense I think from Tim Howard, I've, I've, I've heard rumors about this else or not rumors, but speculation elsewhere is like, are we sure Timmy Howard's fully fit, like fully recovered? Cause those goal kicks were not good. And they, he also didn't really move on either goal. So were, I, yeah, I, I could buy that speculation. They were cited. The, the goal kick thing was cited on the broadcast on BN sport as a reason that, uh, one of the reasons that the goalkeeper change was made. Um, I'm not sure how much swapped them in, in the has, other um, little windows. But, the, the, the thought was that they figured that he was going to have to play a lot of goal kicks and a lot of longer punts, which turned out to be true because of the long ball thing, um, and that they were worried that his leg would give out and they would have to burn the sub, um, and also that his recovery time is longer due to his age and the surgery that he had, uh, I guess it was last winter was when he had that surgery. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's time for him not to be goalie for the national team anymore. Well, that, that brings me back to one of my my Homer annoyances. That's not really Homerism, in my view, is that Bruce Arena said in an interview with Steve Goff that he didn't bring Bill Hamid or Ethan Horvath because he's just thinking about 2018 and that's for the next guy to think about, basically. But Bill Hamid is better than Tim Howard and Brad Guzan right now. And if he had been there... There, uh, there would have been a dec- a very decent case for Hamid to start over Guzan in this Honduras game tonight, and so I'm, Nick Mondo's from all accounts a great guy and is still a fine goalkeeper, but he's not 
the best goalkeeper. He's not the third best goalkeeper in the pool, and he's definitely not the best goalkeeper in MLS anymore. He might be the third best goalkeeper in the pool, uh, just behind Hamid and one of Horvath and Gonzalez. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> he might be in that conversation. But, and, and Hamid has been the one most recently in the U.S. system and and got some time. So I feel like you have to bring him over Romando. And he might have started this game, given how the injury concerns about uh, Howard and just how badly he looked. And Guzan did not look any better in this Honduras game. Guzan couldn't hold shots that were like chest height, like... They were they were hard shots, but they weren't so hard that he shouldn't hold it, hold those every time. Um, most of the shots that were fired at him tonight were not held. Um, yeah, they were at, least, at the very least bobbled, right? If They're not the kind, like the kind of thing hit that, and knocked down or punched away. The kind of thing that get Bill Hamid roasted by neutral observers uh, as being not ready. Those kind of little foibles. Is that what you're saying? I mean, no, I'm just they, were, saying, they were worse than Hamid, what Hamid does. The, 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 it was like Hamid of like three years ago. I know. Anytime Hamid makes any kind of small mistake, people will will latch onto it and say he's clearly not ready. What happened to goalkeeping in this country? Even though it's it's one bobble maybe every few games, uh, and it you know I couldn't see it because of my stream, but it sounds like uh, Guzan had. They were similar and much worse. Yeah, they weren't evening. major errors, but they are definitely the kind of things that that speak to a guy that's not at his best. Which I I think we can say since he arrived in MLS, he hasn't been at his best. Um, and there were the kind of things that if the bobble just goes one second longer, it could be poked into the goal. Or or yeah, if if a Honduran player had thrown you know made that desperate it never works run, but I'm just going to go in there just in case something happens. If one of those had come in that moment where that run also happens, you have a pretty much sure goal. Um, it just overall, the the goalkeeping play from both players was disappointing. Um, Howard did not, didn't, he just didn't look like he had a big, difficult save in him on the night against Costa Rica. Um, and then Brad Guzan on some fairly fundamental stuff just wasn't able to... Um, to, I mean, it's, it's the basics, you know, if a shot's right at you, uh, hold the, if you don't, if it's not so hard and so powerfully struck and has so much movement on it that you have to knock it down first, just, just hold the ball. Don't give up a rebound. Um, but it looked like he wasn't able to get his hands in the right place in time. Um, yeah, there was one, there was one early, uh, punch that I noticed that, but you could see on the replay that he didn't have his fists behind the punch. His fist, it was off to the side, and that's why it caromed uh, up and behind him for a goal kick instead of like back out into play or uh, being like punched down. So then he could then collect it. So like you said, he he just didn't quite have it on today. And in, in other situations, that could end up costing the team even more. Which I mean, his I mean I will say this: neither goalkeeper made the kind of mistakes that we saw from the center backs. Uh, no. The, no, no, no. You know the the goal that Omar Gonzalez tonight. Like I I think that Gonzalez is a very capable defender, but on this play, I just I don't know what happened to his brain. Um, he I was mean, unable. Is, I, I watched the replay. He was literally unable to even. He literally could not even yeah, like the ball on that was, goal. It was the ball was close enough for him in stride to just reach out and poke the ball. If he's aware of what's happening around him, which is a center back is like job number one. Be aware of what's happening around you. He knows he's under pressure from a guy who's faster than him. He knows that in that 
there's a moment there where he has the angle to get the ball cleanly without any worries. Just poke the ball out and accept the corner kick. You, I mean, the U.S. set-piece defending is one of the few areas that look fairly stable tonight. Honduras didn't really yeah. do anything in those situations. So just give up the corner kick and, and go win the header and be done with it. Um, but he didn't seem to be aware of where Romo Kyoto was. And in that moment, because uh, he had two shots at fi- fixing this thing, and he he botched both of them. On the first one, the easiest one, I don't think he had any idea where Kyoto was at all. Um, I, I think he might have known that he was on that side of the field. Uh, but beyond that, like, he, if you gave him a 10-yard circle, he might have missed him entirely. Um, on the second one in the box, when he actually went to ground... I think he misread Kyoto's presence by about a foot or so, and that's why he made a mistake on that tackle. Um, But in both cases, it's just a simple awareness and judgment thing that um, any half-decent center back, and he's, I mean, we're talking about a guy that starts for Pachuca. This is not a bum that that somehow stumbled into the game. Um, He just played well on the, in that moment, was just way, way, way below uh, what he's capable of. Um, it seems like he got infected with Timmy Chandleritis, and when Timmy Chandler perform had a similarly horrible game against Hond- in Honduras uh, last time around, he's basically been banished from the national team almost well, almost exclusively Ch- ever since. Chandler has done some other things uh, to yeah to help, but so is Omar. And, and let's be no, clear, I'm about oh. like the basic things of like being willing to show up when you get yeah yeah I know, but. But no, I mean, Let, let's, it's, it's now in, a pattern for Omar too. In the, in, let's be clear, Omar Gonzalez's performance in this game wasn't even the worst performance of a center back for the U.S. this weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think Tim Ream and Jeff Cameron were both arguably they, worse. Yeah, they were horrible. Yes, oh, like yeah. Cameron in they particular. As if you're judging them by their usual yeah. standard, Jeff Cameron and, in particular yeah, had and, the worst game ever. And I, I don't think Jeff Cameron is the best center back we've ever produced, but his career, his resume. Um, if you just looked at, at resumes, you would say he probably would be. You would expect people to think he is um, because of his time playing in the Premier League at this point. Um, you would expect people to think that this is a, a pretty high-end defender for CONCACAF. There aren't too many Premier League caliber defenders bouncing around this, this region. Um, yeah, and who owns who owns Tim Ream's contract right now? Uh, he's with Fulham, I, I believe. Uh, he's yes. with Fulham. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, but yeah... Uh, Cameron played uh, like a guy who had never played center back before and was like completely nervous about the whole thing. Um, his passing out of the back was uh, just, uh, it was beyond, it, it's, it's inexplicable. Like he, he had they both to, got a case of forgetting what shirt they were wearing, right, like, he, like what color they were wearing forward, saw the target of his passes and then misplaced them. And a professional doesn't do that. Um, it's when you get put under pressure, that was when you, you're supposed to start seeing, the technique side of things give way a little bit and you start to be a little imprecise and you start to give the ball away. These were unforced, like just a casual, you know, can you make a 10 yard pass with your buddy in the park? Um, and his answer on that day apparently was no, no, I can't do that. Um, it's like when you watch people in movies, uh, play soccer and you know that their awkward body language will have led to some horrible pass, but then they just, they do a quick cut and the ball is going where it needed to go because the, you're, actor couldn't do it correctly um this was like that except he's not an actor he is a soccer player um yeah it was uh their their performance against costa rica was worse than ben and i were talking about this before the show um matt beasler ends up looking kind of good 
because he was the least bad of the four center backs. But even that fact, the fact that there were four center backs played in in two games, even that's that's also bad. Um, that level of uncertainty at center back is a Juan Carlos Osorio coaching the New York Red Bulls kind of tinkering. So what if we had all of our best scientists cloning John Brooks? Uh, can we go We'd back? We still in have time? no center backs because they'd all be hurt. Can we go back in time? If we cloned enough of them, Eddie Pope. Sure. Um, our best scientists will build the science, the, the time machine. I almost I mean, said Eddie science Pope machine. is still alive. So we no, but we I don't mean, actually have to go back in time. We can just take his DNA now. Okay, but it's the same DNA. We'd have, but we'd, we'd have to the wait clock. for the the clone Eddie Pope to grow up. We're not getting a fully. Are we? Are we cloning people that are fully formed adults right now? Or are we, I don't think we. I don't we think that technology is that ever going have to exist. wait till it grows up. I think we always have we've to clone sheep. Yeah, so but we need. We that's why we need the time adult machine. Sheep. Yeah, so we don't we need clone the time adult machine. sheep. That's my point. Exactly. So that's why we need the time machine. Yeah, we to go into the future. No, to go. No, to go in the past and get Eddie Pope, and then replicate him. And we're not going to worry about the discontinuity of having two Eddie Popes in this timeline. Well, we're going to have more than two. Why, why settle for two? Why not that's, protect that's yourself? Fair. Uh, that's fair. Let's have four or six. <laughs> sure. Uh, and maybe maybe so, like one of them can handle uh, the the business affairs and such. That's what he's uh, – he's a player agent now. He's He's got a, a mind for that. So, uh, yeah, do those things and, uh, you know, stay ready in case there's an injury crisis amongst the Eddie Popes. I like it. Can we also get uh like two thousand nine or ten Landon Donovan? I don't think that helps our defense unless we teach in well, this we one. Need we need offense wanna, too. This th- that's true. This one we might want to raise from a younger age though and teach him to play left back or right back. <laughs> I guess we could get Jeff A. Go- oh, maybe not. Do you guys? Did you guys ever play the game Mega Man Soccer? You're, you're, when you're talking yes. about a team of Landon Donovan, yes. you're reminding of at the start of the game, you just get a team of Mega Man. Every position is Mega Man, and he has very and every team you beat. Just like in Mega Man, you get the power of the boss right. you beat. Every team you beat, you get to take one player. You get to yep. take that player on your was, team. What was frustrating so about that man. game is they clearly got lazy because there were like four teams that you would beat, and the guy had the the guy you would get had the exact same skill profile as Mega Man. It's just a different a different looking thing. Um, so you had Skull Man, and it was the exact same as Mega Man, but, like, Ice Man and Cut Man were fast, um, and they were the only useful players, basically, until you got to the boss round. Everyone else well, I'm pretty... Just... I, I think I always put Pharaoh Man in, in goal. Like, he could stop more of the it, other... I, more of the specialty shots. I messed, I messed around with this. There was something with him being better at that, and but other than that, it was like every goalkeeper is exactly the same. It doesn't matter what you do. Why do I remember this as well as I do? I Mega wanted, Man I wanted awesome. that game to be better than it was. Anyway. I think I just believed. I just chose to believe it was better than it was. <laughs> I guess we could go back and get Brad, Brad Friedel, too. You know, Bruce Arena said he was going to play goal today. Uh, <sighs> so, despite um, the the shambles that this, this weekend and Mega Man Soccer were... The U.S. is still in control of their own destiny in the hex. Cool. Uh, going while, into while we speak, uh, yeah. But Panama is playing Trinidad right now, and if they win, well, the that... U.S. will still be in control of their own destiny because they'll be playing Panama. Uh, that's true. 
they will still yeah they, but in panama they, yeah in panama but six points from from no, those last two games against panama. panama that's here oh no yeah it's, it's at trinidad and yeah panama at home that's right right uh six points in those games will uh clinch uh no matter what anybody else does it'll clinch third place i think um well i guess it depends on the margins because honduras currently i think has a an eight goal goal differential deficit against the u.s if they tie on points but um if they make that up i guess they could uh nip third place from the u.s over these last two games but the u.s basically six points guarantees they get third place in in the hex and go through without having to deal with a playoff against the fifth place Asian team. Four points. Can I, can I still has a good chance during as an aside here? I know we all want to talk about the possibility of this being Syria guys. It's going to be Australia. Um, Australia is easily the better team there. It's, it's not even close. So please, it's going to be Australia. Hopefully it'll be Honduras or Panama right. playing them and not the U.S. But we don't want to have a uh, – right now, I don't want to have a playoff with Australia because I think they would beat us right now. After this Definitely weekend, possible. I think Syria could beat us. Possibly. So, yeah, the, the fact that it's a possibility, um, I don't like. So the U.S. is in control of their own, their own destiny. They're going to have to play a damn sight better than they did this weekend in either game. And I, we could go on and on with – with more complaints, but we're uh, more than 35 minutes into this thing. So I think we're going to call that a segment. And um, maybe we shouldn't have spent so much time on Mega Man soccer. No, I think we spent exactly the right amount of time on Mega Man soccer. Now that we've brought it back up again, we were actually a little bit short before, but now we're good. The fullbacks were bad too. They were, but time goes on. And so does the show. Don't play midfielders as fullbacks. That's all. Somehow, it's 2017, and we are going to turn the page to DC United and have a more optimistic tone when we come back. So stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> Uh, they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster. DC United rode an improbable 
three-game win streak into the international break, and if you asked them, they they'd probably say they would have preferred to just keep that rhythm going, uh, and and keep the the good vibes going without a, a week off for international play. Orlando City is in exactly the opposite boat. They had to be relieved to stop play for a week. They probably would have been happy to stop play for the year. Uh, Honestly, they, they're coming off a 4 nothing loss to the powerhouse that is the New England Revolution. Thank you, Jason. Uh, and, and they are were winless in August. They were also winless in July. And except for the final day, June 30th, they were winless in June. They are... Um, the, the, the Purple Lions are in a bad way right now. And they're going to be visiting DC United uh, at RFK Stadium this Saturday, 7 p.m. Watch it on News Channel 8 if you can't get out to the stadium. But seriously, this is the third to last game at RFK Stadium. Go to the old girl and and be a part of it. Uh, be there. It's it's going to be fun. Um, and and the team is improving, so it, it's a good way to to send out RFK and. I'm going to be there, and I, Jason, I assume you're going to be there, and you should oh, be yeah. there. Um, if, if only because Orlando City appears to be good for whatever ails you. Um, so it, it should be a good game to watch. Jason, what exactly is wrong with Jason Kreis' team right now? Uh, More specifically are, than everything. They don't have very many good soccer players. Um, <laughs> that's a big problem um, for them. I mean, as, this, as the U.S. Men's National Team knows, I mean, this is a team that started the game the, the season with six wins in their first seven, and after twenty-seven games, they have eight wins. Um, that is that dreadful. That's not that math sounds like two wins in twenty. Uh, yes, that is correct. Two wins in twenty games. One um, of which it does have to be say said yes. their their second most recent win back on May thirty-first. Was a two nothing win against DC United, uh, a game that DC really shouldn't have lost. Um, if you'll remember the Lamar Nagel miss on an open net, they had a few other chances at uh, one nothing to tie that up, and then um, Bill Hamid had his worst moment probably in the last two seasons. Yeah, we did uh, talk about Bill, late Bill Hamid's mistakes. This um, this one was the top of them, top of right. that list. But but yeah, this was a game that really, I mean, really Orlando was lucky to get one of their two wins in those twenty games. Um, their defense, I mean, I like Scott Sutter. They're right back, the Swiss guy they brought in um, right after the season started. I like him as an attacking player. Um, he's okay defensively, but, he, you know, the way they want to play, he works. He's good enough uh, to succeed in MLS. Their problem is everywhere else. Um, <laughs> the center backs are bad. Uh, they don't really have a single good center back, in my opinion, except for John Spector, who didn't play against the Revs, and uh, I don't know... His uh, health status at this moment, I haven't had time to catch up on Orlando uh, heading into this game just yet because of all the national team games getting in the way. Um, but Jose Aha is uh, going to be suspended, um, so they're going to be without one of their better bad center backs. Um, <laughs> Donnie Toya is a pretty decent defender uh, one-on-one, but sometimes he struggles to be part of the, the unit. Um they According were, to uh, MLSsoccer.com slash injuries, uh, Jonathan Spector has a knee injury and is out right. two to three weeks. Okay. Um, that might be from a little while ago, so he might... The, the international window might allow him to get back. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, that's from 8-8. Eight, eight. Okay, so he should be back, but maybe there's a hang-up. I don't know. Um, they did just bring in Dylan Powers, but that didn't really address their needs very much. Um, it was kind of a strange trade all around. I think both teams were just doing something to do something. Um, the the midfield, when they've played it as a flat midfield, it hasn't functioned very well. When they've played it as a diamond, it hasn't functioned very well. Uh, Kaká has moments where he still looks like Kaká, but during the during the run of play, the game passes him by a lot. He looks old. Um, if you let the ball at his feet, then yeah, he can still do some things, but if you make him chase and run around and have to be uh, playing at the same tempo as everyone else, then he can let, the game can kind of pass him by. Um, Dom Dwyer being traded there, that that was a big deal, but it hasn't really panned out. I don't know that he and Kyle Laren are a good pairing. Um, in their last game, Laren wasn't even in the 18. They had Carlos Rivas, who, Carlos Rivas loves to take shots, uh, but not necess- it's not necessarily a good idea for him to do that. Um, he's the guy that is like 30 yards from goal and is like, it's my time now, I'm going to shoot. And then the ball goes in the stands and he doesn't learn like, wow, maybe I need to get closer to goal. Instead, he thinks like, next time I'm really going to kick it hard and maybe it'll go towards the goal. But I don't, I don't know how to do that. So I'm just going to swing my leg and you know, whatever happens to me happens. Um, he's, yeah, I don't, I don't understand his thought process. I would tell him to not shoot until he got inside the 18 ever. Um, but his thought process is always shoot before you get in the 18. I do want to talk about the Dom Dwyer acquisition. They sent Orlando City sent a, a combined what one one point two million one point four a lot of gam and tam a lot of Garber bucks in various flavors split yeah, over it, two seasons like a record shattering amount. Yeah, oh, uh, people had talked about how. Like, like people in the league and on podcasts like this one had talked about how the, the influx of Tam in particular was freeing up teams and clubs to make moves like they hadn't internally because they, it was essentially a, a transfer budget for within the league that they didn't have before. And so it's really, you know, kind of, uh, sped up the velocity of money if you're an economics nerd. And this is th- this doesn't prove it so much as go so far beyond proving it as to be comical. This move it, it was so much money for Dom Dwyer, a a good MLS striker who and, and who fit re- a particular system rather well. <laughs> and just recently, within the past couple of years, uh. Eddie jo- the trade of uh, Eddie Johnson to DC United was, I think, the second highest amount of allocation money ever in a trade, and that was like six hundred and fifty thousand. Right, and it's okay. more than doubled since then. Yeah, but I mean, uh... so I, I know a lot of the speculation at the time was that Dwyer was being brought in not necessarily to work with Kyle Laren, but. Everyone expects Kyle Aaron to be gone after this winter. Everyone expects a, a big offer to come in from Europe for him. And the assumption was that Dom Dwyer is their center forward of the future in Orlando. But in the meantime, they have both of those guys, and they don't seem to to mesh that well together. Yeah, I mean, they don't fit as a pairing, I don't think, because they both want to lead the line. Um, and so they're kind of in each other's way a little bit. 
Um, I think Dwyer is capable of playing off of Laren. Um, I think Laren is capable of playing off of Dwyer, but it's going to take a long time for them to figure each other out. And I, th- I think we are looking at sort of the, um, we brought, it, it seems to me like Orlando got their Kyle Laren replacement before Kyle Laren left. And now they've just got to sort of muddle through in the meantime and figure out how to make them work. Um, and it hasn't really, it hasn't really worked, but then nothing's really worked for Orlando. Um, you know, they, they want to be a Jason Christ team. They want to keep the ball. Um, he's tried to make them play the diamond. It hasn't really worked because the players don't seem to, they don't quite seem to know, um, the rotations involved, the, the spacing involved within the group is, is uneven. It's kind of erratic. Um, other than Will Johnson, I don't know that they necessarily have four players that are super well served by that formation. Um, I don't think Powers adds to that, by the way. I don't think Powers fits a diamond. Um, so yeah, nothing's really working for them and having two forwards who are somewhat redundant and would have to really learn how to play off of each other is just going to make it all that other stuff. It just, it underlines the rest of it because now, even if you do get the ball forward, you've got this one more issue to deal with. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a bad time for them to have one more issue on their plate. Um, even if it is an issue where it's two good players and every team likes to have two good strikers who are capable of scoring double digit goals, uh, year in and year out, that's a, a a good problem to have. But in this case, Orlando doesn't have any more room to handle more problems. Um, so they're, they're not a team that can take on good problems these days. And thus they end up with an attack that can't really score. I mean, their defense is definitely the bigger problem. Uh, when you give up four goals to the New England Revolution, your defense is bad. Um, unless you take like a red card in the first thirty seconds. Um, but yeah, I mean they're not they're not getting shutouts, but they're not scoring many goals either. They've got one goal. Other than this shutout, they got one in five games in a row. They scored one each game, but that's it, just one. Um, so their offense isn't really clicking uh, on top of the defensive issues and the possession issues and the personnel issues. Um, but frankly, I'm kind of surprised that given the reputation in Orlando, the high pressure reputation that their ownership groups ha- group has, I'm kind of surprised Jason Christ isn't like coaching for his job now, like this week. Um, because like we said, two wins in 20 games um, under true high pressure, that we see in some of the other leagues, he wouldn't have gotten to two wins in 10 games before he might've been fired. Right. He might even have a longer leash than Ben Olsen at this point, which uh, is this run has been truly, truly awful. They don't have it. They've been blown out a lot. Um, there's a four, nothing to Houston, three, nothing, uh, NYCFC four, nothing against the fire, uh, four, nothing against the revs. I mean, there are a lot of not just losses, but like you got, destroyed kind of games. So how, how is it that Jason Christ is likely to run out this team on Saturday? Um, you, you mentioned some of the things he's tried. What, what's he up to nowadays with the purple lions? I think he's trying to figure out how to get this team back on course. Um, you know, he, he's having, having to deal without specter, having to incorporate powers on the fly. Um, I'm not sure he knows right now how this team is going to line up. Um, 
given that it's a road game, given that DC has suddenly started to look a little better, I think he's going to be a little more cagey, which maybe allows for the possibility of a empty bucket 4-4-2 rather than the diamond. Um, I, I know he's going to spend a lot of time looking at tape and determining which formation gives his team the best team. Like, Jason Christ isn't a dummy. He's not just going to um, send his team out based on, like, a principal thing. He's he's going to... Um, I think he's going to look at this this thing and try and pick the best possible lineup to get a win against DC. I just don't know that either prospect uh, is really very good right now. Um, even if they get Laren back and they can drop Carlos Rivas to the bench, um, they've still got to figure out can Kaká uh, be a starter uh, in MLS still? Um, can they get Giles Barnes to actually plug in for 90 minutes? Because there are times where Giles Barnes is really good, and then 15 minutes later he's completely – he might as well be sitting on the sidelines. Um is Nocherino uh, able to uh, gut out 90 minutes, uh, which is always a question mark. They pulled him against the Revs. They pulled him with, uh, I guess there was 26 minutes left in the game, though they, at that point um, they were chasing the game. They're, they're down one nothing. They're trying to go for it. And after that, they went from one nothing down to losing 4 nothing. So maybe the lesson they learned here is that Nocherino can't come off. Um, so then what is your change if you're trailing? Um yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I, they have so many things going on right now that are bad that I don't know that there's a one week, um, solution. They're going to, I think, I think at this point they need to start thinking about next year. Um, and that, that's exactly what I was going to yeah. bring up. I mentioned, I mentioned on last week's show that DC United seem to be trying to, at least for a long stretch in the first half, they seem to be trying to play out of the back in an almost NYCFC kind of way where come hell or high water, this is what we're going to do. And NYCFC took their lumps in that for a year and then became a, a top of the conference kind of team the next year. And I, I, I said, I would much rather take our lumps now during this half a season than next spring when 2018 matters. I wouldn't I wonder if Jason Christ would would kind of take the same approach whatever he wants to do next year even though he doesn't necessarily have all the right pieces for it now start instilling that system now especially if it's a diamond because it takes a year or two under the diamond to work out those rotations you were talking do, do, about in the Do you think he actually has that much leash though to yeah to get that, I think that I think I think, the, I think, this, I think this was, ownership group has proven that it, they're not going to take a disaster for this long. I don't know if he's going to, if he doesn't at least start playing better soccer, I don't know if he's going to be around next year to implement his new system. Right. I wonder if there, there's a part of me that thinks if they were going to can him this year, he'd be gone already. Yeah. That's uh, what's the point. What's the point of changing it up now? You just get your guy in the off season. Yeah. I, it's interesting. That's, that's one of the, I guess the luxuries Ben Olsen has had is he's been able to try to, rebuild a couple of times and been given the the leash to do that night you're right jason christ might not have as much leash as it seems but at this point i would hope that he could talk to those owners and and say listen you brought me in to do a thing let me do the thing i granted i i don't know that orlando city's ownership group it is the type to let him do the thing i mean the 
going back to the diamond, I, w- I would say that they've been trying to incorporate the diamond all year long. So I think they've been spending plenty of time working on it in training. Um, I just don't think that the players that are there can execute it. And this is a team that was, I, I feel like Jason Christ had plenty of input in the building of this roster. I mean, maybe not enough. There's certainly some guys here that I don't think he would have kept around. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the Dylan Powers for Louis Gill move is Jason Kreiss, uh had Gill on his roster at RSL. He made overtures to bring him back from Mexico. They went out of their way to get him on loan. And then they traded him out to Colorado uh, for a guy that really is a playmaking metronome kind of number eight that can open the field in a 4-2-3-1, which is to say not a guy for a diamond. Um I know Colorado tried to play him wide uh, during the Pablo Mastroeni area, but you don't really want to follow the uh, personnel selection issues uh, of that era of the Rapids. You don't want to say that, like, you don't want to see what they did and be like, that's a good idea, we should try that. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with powers. Um, I I feel like there's, there's an element of, like, watching someone thrash around helplessly just trying to save themselves without much of a plan for two weeks from now, much less, you know, the, the long-term future. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just, I don't have a good feel for Orlando. I just don't, I don't know what they're up to because none of it adds up. It, I looking at a whole mess of data points and it's like, this doesn't go together at all. Um, it's like, um, that scene at the end of, uh, burn after reading, uh, when, uh, J.K. Simmons is confronted with all the things that happen and is just like, ah, just keep an eye on it, I guess. Um, and it, the movie just <laughs> ends. So you just have to be baffled by the whole thing. Um, by the way, that is the best synopsis of <laughs> the feeling walking away at the end of Burn After Reading. Bafflement. I, I remember watching that movie and just looking at the other people in the room and saying, so what did we just watch? Uh, well... And is that Orlando City in a nutshell? A, a little bit. Sometimes you need an audience surrogate to help you, uh, you know, to, to really hammer home uh, how, how you should be feeling. And uh, I feel like if you're an Orlando fan, if you're not an Orlando fan, you should look at this team and be like, I don't. What are you doing? Like, what is the end game here? Where Where is this going? Um, because if I'm. Jason Christ, I'm trading a still highly reputable guy like Luis Gill. If I'm making a trade anywhere in the league, I'm trying to acquire some defenders. Um, to, I mean, if he's if he's planning for the future, he should be acquiring defenders because they need them for the future. If he's coaching for his job, uh, and if he's trying to sit to stay in the job through the winter, then he needs defenders now because they are five points out of the playoffs and with three more games played than Atlanta. So. Um, they're in they're in deep. Uh so either way, that's not the move. Like Powers doesn't fix their problems. Uh this is a team that has given up only one less goal than DC. And remember, DC was for the long time the worst team in the league. Um that that week of, of one nil wins uh is kind of uh it's yeah, it changed it, the world for DC United. Um here's here's how here's how much it's it's changed in fact. Let me let me bring up the uh standings just to double check. But I think if DC really finds their their finishing boots this weekend, uh I think they need to score 5 goals and win by 3 
or or something along those lines, maybe win by four, um, they will leapfrog Orlando City. If United wins this game, they will be tied on points with right. Orlando City, and yeah. it'll come down to goals scored the first, and then goal the first differential. Tiebreaker in MLS is total wins. Uh, oh, it's total wins. You're right. So DC United actually, no matter what they do, if they win, they will it, leave yeah, the cellar out of, last, of the Eastern Conference. And in right. Fact, if if the Union uh, lose their game, then DC will actually be as high as ninth. Um, lofty territory. Already, DC United's already ahead of three teams in the West, too. Yeah, uh, who's down there? Colorado, LA, and, and Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so yeah, D- wow, the West is bad. They are bad. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. This is this is not a thing that I'm used to seeing. The West is really bad well, the, yeah. right now. DC United, if the season ended right now, as bad as United have been, they would have the fifth pick in next year's Super Draft. Yeah, I mean, Bec- the West is a big pile of trash. Um, or not? Not I shouldn't say that. the The bottom three in the West is absolutely garbage um yeah i mean right now the the top four teams and um the top four teams in the league are from the eastern conference the bottom three teams in the league are from the western conference there's a a really strong you know one through eight at this point rsl's an eighth on 35 they've been better lately so you can say that from them on up you have teams that are at least not bad outright bad um but man once you get past rsl and you look at la uh I mean, just horrible, um, which is great. I mean, it's great that the Galaxy are terrible, and I hope that this continues for uh, many, many, many decades. <laughs> I just hope they hire a new coach every year, and it just happens to be Kurt Anolfo wearing a new mask. Yes, just like uh, in Mission Impossible with uh, the, the, the 90s Mission Impossible movie. Use that that yeah. uh, that face technology that, that Tom Cruise's character had. except Or just face off. Oh man, a face-off that it's so, like Kurt Anolfo oh, getting oh, the can, can one year? Can one year? Can it be Nicolas Cage and a Kurt Anolfo mask? Or because that would be more entertaining, I Kurt, think. Even than, Kurt Anolfo in a Nicolas Cage mask with a Kurt Anolfo mask on top of that. <laughs> ben, I think at some point we start to to strain against believability. Well, look, we're going to have six Eddie Popes for the next uh, USMNT. <laughs> Uh, qualifiers. We're going to have right. triple masked Kurt Anolfo. <laughs> it's the mask. The it's head the number of works. masks that I object to. Did you, this is all within the... Off. Like, you can't stretch credibility anymore. So you might as well have <laughs> well, seven the... masks or twenty masks. It doesn't matter. Can one of them be an Eddie Pope mask just so that we can tie Wasn't these there things together? Why not? Wasn't there a double mask in Face Off? I don't think so. I think there was only one of each of their faces. They just happened to... Or is that, or is that just Mission Impossible? Or is there, there, there might have been mask. a double mask in one of those Mission Impossible movies. Probably the one where they had a uh, motorcycle like fight. Like three... Um, I feel like that has to happen in the last season of... The, the final season of Game of Thrones. Is There has to be a double mask situation. I don't know enough about that oh. to contribute. Yeah, me neither. How do neither of you watch the most watched show in the history of... That's not anyway. true. <laughs> it's not the most watched show it, at all. No, it's the most no. It <laughs> most is, watched show now. No, show. not even now. Uh, no, it's not. It's killed yeah, by it's, all the CBS um, comedies that are de- that are dumb. All right. So those aren't actually the most watched. Those are the most tuned into by old people who fall asleep in their recliners. That's fine. Are you are you saying old people? Doesn't make them the most watched. I'm saying the Nielsen ratings are flawed. 
I think you're saying old people don't count. I'm saying if they're sleeping, they're not watching the television. Filibuster, the fine. ageism podcast. I'm not against old I'll people. Say this. I watched. One <laughs> I am a little bit against. Old I watched people. one episode of Game of Thrones. It was last season's finale, and I thought it looked like every single person was trying their hardest to chew the scenery in a hammy fashion. Um, I was not impressed, but also I was drunk. But so, I. I will say they the last couple seasons have literally lost the plot because they've outpaced the source material and it's no longer George R. R. Martin writing the the actual story and then the the showrunners taking it from there. The showrunners are just making it up as they go now and it's um it, it's bad sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. Anyway, that that also kind of describes Orlando City. I'm just gonna run with that. So, given that there's no direction and no uh, cohesive thing to plan against, if you're Ben Olsen, Jason, how do you game plan against Orlando? I mean, the major thing is to just focus on the good work that they've been doing. Um, hone that. It's almost Orlando's such an unpredictable mess right now that you kind of just focus on yourself. Um, it is important, especially if they feel the diamond to, to get the ball to the wings frequently and, and force them to stretch out, um, to make room for, for Lucho and, and hopefully a, a fully fit Ian Harks. Um, those are definitely big positives if they play the diamond, if it's the empty bucket, then, um, you, you kind of want to do the same thing just to exploit the space that those, uh, nominally wide midfielders leave when they pinch inside and push up a little bit. Um, but I think mostly for DC that the focus needs to be on just refining the good stuff that we've seen lately where, um, that front three, um, it's, it feels like it was forever ago when it was just two weeks. Um, but the, the front three of Paul Ariola, Lucho, Lucho Acosta and Zoltan Stieber, they showed so much promise, um, in the last game. And I think you just build, you want to build on that, um, I am sure that there's been a lot of focus on the forwards because if, if Mullins or Deshaun Brown start to find their shooting boots, then I think we're going to see the goal scored total for the team really start to go up quite a bit because now the chances are there. Um, whereas before it was like, well, they might get one look a game. Um, you can't blame them too much for not being 100% finishers, but now all of a sudden things are opening up. Um, in the back, I mean, you do have to be very aware of Laren is a extremely unique, uh, extremely unique being kind of a uh, redundant phrase. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, but uh, no, he's a combination of strength and speed. Like people don't talk about Laren's speed, but he's one of the fastest players in, in MLS. Um, that's a big threat. If he, if he's uh, able to come back, uh, Dom Dwyer, we know is going to be very physical um, with everybody. He comes anywhere near um, very persistent, very hardworking when he tries to press the ball. Um, so those things all need to be, United needs to be aware of those things defensively, but uh, the major thing is to just keep doing what they've been doing and, and improve at that, because what they've been doing is is not just good overall, it's also kind of a good formula to beat this Orlando team. Um, if if uh, Stieber is getting a lot of touches, if, if Ariola is getting a lot of uh, runs up the wing with the ball at his feet, I think you're going to see Orlando really struggle uh, to deal with DC. Now, if they lose their way, if the break came at a bad time and they lose that rhythm a little bit, that's not ideal for DC, and that might actually help Orlando. But at the same time, 
Orlando's reeling right now. So maybe one one thing I would add, I guess, to the last few games is uh, be a little more aggressive at the start. Be ready to to high press Orlando because they're a team that just lost four nothing to New England. Um, they're a team that's going to be replacing a starting center back due to suspension. They're a team that might ha- might be missing their other starter due to injury. Um, they're a team that you want to kind of jump all over um, and not even let them start to think that maybe their bad run is finally over. You want to make them think that, no, this is the same as all your other games that have been bad. Um, you haven't, nothing's changed at all. You're still in the middle of it. Um, and that, that starts from kickoff. I think that's exactly right. And uh, you mentioned the high press last year. We saw DC United play with a kind of toy around with a high press a few times to to some pretty good effect out of that four one four one. This year they've been playing more of a four two three one. I really hope that Ian Harks can return this week and that that return allows uh, a similar return to the the four one four one with Russell Knaus holding down that lone number six spot um, and and seeing Lucho kind of quarterback the press the way he did last year at times. And I, that press was really fun to watch. And I expect uh, Mullins will get the start in this game. And with, with Harks out there and he hasn't played with these new acquisitions yet. Cause he's been hurt. Right. But I think um, I, I would really be excited to see that, especially against a team that's kind of as uh, downtrodden as Orlando are right now. I, I think it would be, really fun to to watch Lucho and Harks and Ariola and Mullins and and Stevie press that defense. I think that I I'm excited thinking about the possibilities of that and I hope it happens. I really want it to happen. Yeah, I mean and go uh, ahead. I was just going to end the okay. show cuz I didn't hear you guys chiming in. But if you want to chime in, no, go I ahead. I think we've said enough. <laughs> that is write it down people. Jason Anderson says we have said enough. Look, if people want to talk um, about Mega Man soccer, we can do a whole other hour. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you say we've said enough, then I don't think I have room to argue. Thank you all for listening. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu. Uh, for the website, it's at blackandredu. Send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. We take love letters, hate mail, advertising inquiries, really whatever you want to send us. We are happy to read it. We, As long as it's not spam, you're not trying to sell us something, we like the emails. Find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, um, whatever the podcatcher of your choice happens to be. Mostly, though, please tell a friend about the show. And while you're at it, uh, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filibuster. That helps us uh, cover our costs for for running this thing and uh, helps us keep going. And we appreciate all the support we get from listeners like you. And we're getting close to uh, the tier that will have us produce uh, special podcast episodes just for the Patreon subscribers. So yeah, we are, I think, less than $20 a month away from, you know, having to fulfill our promise to produce some bonus content, which means I'm going to be emailing and, and calling people uh, a lot to try to, to generate that extra content, but it'll absolutely be worth it for, for you listeners and, and for the financial support you provide. So, uh, make me do that, please. Uh, make me, make me 
follow through on that promise. That's it for, for this week. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam, and we will talk to you real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Mega Man Soccer. Mega Man Soccer. Mega Man Soccer. <laughs> <laughs>